0: Welcome to Rich Conversations. Aiden Murray joins us from Boise, Idaho. Boise is a place I've been curious about lately. Since the pandemic, many people have moved to the city, and I wonder how it's changed. Aiden grew up there, and he's now a software engineer. So we talk about the city and the region and what he's observed. We also discuss the internet, and he breaks down how it actually works. It was very insightful, great conversation, and it was Pretty awesome to pick his brain about technology and things. You can follow him on Instagram at Aiden Murray. Let's begin. Welcome to Rich Conversations. We have another great episode here today. We are chatting with Aiden Murray from boise idaho welcome to the show thank you yeah
1: it's uh i'm excited to be honest like my first time ever doing a podcast with somebody usually i'm not like you know as important enough for people to invite me on the podcast so
0: (laughs) (laughs) well you're on our podcast and we're excited to talk to you um we want to learn about boise and and what you're up to and uh all these different things so why don't you introduce yourself
1: Sure. Yeah. So uh, my name is Aiden. I live in Boise. Um, I'm a software engineer for a company called Verified First. Uh, We do background screenings. I got to plug the company real quick, you know, so we're the best one. You should totally use us, that kind of thing, right? Nice. How long have you uh, been in Boise? uh, I've been here my whole life, um, born and raised. So uh, yeah, I haven't really explored too much uh, outside of it. Um, but yeah, guys, so that gives me a good perspective on how it's changed over the years and all that.
0: You know what? What I'm seeing is that Boise is becoming one of the fastest growing cities in America.
1: Yeah, it seriously is, man. Like you know, before coronavirus happened, you know, um, it was like it was kind of small town. You drive around every couple of months you'd see like, you know, New Mexico play and you're like, Oh, that's so cool. You know, it's something from New Mexico. Yeah. And now it's like, you know, you see like 15 California cars on your drive to work. Like it's crazy.
0: Really it's super crazy.
1: Yeah. Wow. It all happened like right. COVID hit.
0: So co- it's like COVID is the, the big variable here.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think it was because like the work from home thing, And now everybody, like, you can work wherever you want, right? Uh, I choose to come to the office, but, you know, a lot of people like to do the work from home. So, yeah, you hear people just, you know, moving and having a job in a different state or whatever. That's, like, the norm now.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah, I I hear more people going out west. Uh, Really? Yeah, like Montana, too. Uh, It seems to be, people want to be closer to the outdoors, I would imagine. I think that's. Yeah,
1: it, it probably also has to do with like the uh, sort of the, the housing market and all that kind of stuff yeah. um, for for all those. Um, because Boise, we used to have like a really low uh, housing market in terms of like prices and stuff, right? Like yeah. a, a normal house would be like 200, 250K, right? Um, and now like those same houses are literally doubled. Um, same with like apartment prices too. Like I just moved into a new apartment um and I've looked at these ones before right uh and they were like half of what they are now so wow. like two years ago when I was first moving out of my parents basement
0: uh-huh.
1: and then yeah so these yeah if the prices are just going nuts right now so um like I think that was a lot of it was because Boise was kind of this hidden gem where mm. like great you know like but it's not very fancy or cool, right? It's Idaho. People don't even know what that is. um, (laughs) Yeah, but now people are coming here all in droves. It's that California exodus, you know?
0: So how do you feel about it?
1: Um, It kind of sucks for me personally, just because for my generation, like, you know, the the 2019, 2020 graduates, um, you know, we're at the cusp of, hey, I want to buy a house oh, wait, I can't unless I move to Texas. If I already had a house, like if I was already in the market and had an asset, like, you know, that I could sell or do something with, right? Then it's fine because I'm sure my property value would increase, you know, along with my neighbors. But for people that aren't in the market um, and are wanting to get into the market, it's pretty tough. Um, And I don't think it's going to go back to how it was.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Is that, is that kind of reflective of how other people feel?
1: Yeah, I think so. There's a lot. Well, I see a lot of, you know, posts on Facebook about it um, and how it's kind of affecting other people as well. Um, But I can really only attest to what it's like from, from an outside of the market looking in of like, okay, well now I can't have this, but you know um, it's not really affecting a lot of people it's only really affecting my generation and below, because like I said, everybody else already has an asset, a house they could sell and rebuy, whatever.
0: So do, do older people like what's happening? Cause now all their property or assets is worth more, but does it disrupt the culture and like daily life?
1: Yeah, it's definitely like taking a, a little bit of a turn. Um, so Idaho as a state has always been very, very red. Um, and, and Boise has been sort of the blue neutral area. Um, and now with a lot of the, the Californians coming in, Boise is turning, you know, from a political standpoint, very blue. Um, you know, with, with, you know, Mayor McLean, um, she's, you know, a Democrat, which is great and everything. Um, I don't pick a party. I don't do the party game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm also in that boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all a mess. But... Um, Yeah, so there's a a lot of it is for the older people. They are getting upset because it's blue staters coming into their red state, right? Um, That's usually where they're most concerned about for Boise, is just Mm. this political drift that they're afraid that these Californians uh, will have on Idaho. Um, I don't really care, but I'm more of like, you know, why are you coming in and paying 100K over asking? price for this house
0: (laughs) (laughs) so this is mostly californians that you're experiencing this yeah it's a lot it's a lot of californians wow
1: you see some from other states too like washington oregon those guys have kind of always always like been here um Mm -hmm. it's mostly californians
0: wow yeah well what's what's the like general vibe of boise
1: it's really cool um it's really laid back for, for Boise, at least, um, once you start getting out into the, you know, wildlife, you know, you go to like Emmett or whatever, it starts to get kind of weird. phone oh, dropped. Um, but in Boise, it's super laid back. Um, it has changed, though, like I said, with all these people moving in. Like two years ago and my whole life that I've lived here, um, it's been mostly like, you know, you can leave your door unlocked, you know, you're not really worried about anything There's no like gangs or violence or anything here right yeah. since it's like a small city uh and so it's it's really just been laid back we don't really have any natural disasters like nothing ever really bad happens here which is nice mm-hmm. um, sort of keeps us on the down low of uh you know like like people just uh, like there's really nothing that exciting that goes on here um but people just they like that because like I said, you can leave your door unlocked and you'll be fine. And it's really cool to do that Like while you're living in a capital city, right? Yeah. So a lot of people, they're really nice here. Um, the new people that are coming in, they're kind of weird. And they they don't really, like, they're not as friendly as maybe some of the locals. That could just be like, you know, that could not be true. You know, like they could, they could be very friendly and it's all the... Idahoans that are rude right but yeah you definitely I'm definitely starting to see like a little bit of a culture shift from from people being like super friendly and helpful uh and there's like you know a lot of local businesses to like people on the street and like I'll smile at them as I walk by and they'll just look at me like I'm crazy you know (laughs) (laughs) really yeah wow it's crazy there's also a lot of like you know conglomerates coming here Um, like you can't find, well, it's really hard to find, like, you know, for, for renting, uh, all of the complexes and everything, they're going to be owned by some like big company in Chicago. Like there's no, there's like the local businesses are kind of thinning out over here, which is kind of sad.
0: Ideally, what you would want to happen with these like fast growing cities is that the locals who have always been there now what they're doing now is raised and people go more to the local shops because there's more people to spend money And But the opposite is happening is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, And it's also because of like the labor shortage right now. I mean, it's a bunch of factors. It's not just, you know, the the people coming in, but it's also the COVID thing, right? Where, um, and the labor shortage, where a lot of these small businesses can't keep up with, you know, the, the payments that, you know, the salary that you're going to make from working at Walmart, right? Like Walmart down the street is, I think like $17 an hour for a cashier right now. Cause that's how they're <laughs> going to get people in the door, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it puts a burden on the small businesses for, you know, what they can do. Like they can't do like a $17 an hour wage for, you know, their clerk or whatever. So who wants yeah. to work at local shops.
0: Yeah, all of that is interesting. COVID has certainly disrupted many things.
1: Yeah, that's crazy, man.
0: Uh so what do you think? Wh- what what do you guys called? Like boy Boiseans or?
1: I don't know. It's I think so. Boiseans, Idahoans, I don't know. You just I don't I don't think we have a name. we don't have about like <laughs> Moridians or something. I don't know. It's all just hard to say. Yeah,
0: nothing really rolls off the tongue really easily. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think the people value most and what what interests do they have what are they into so
1: a lot of people out here are really into outdoorsy stuff okay and that's where we have like the leg up on a lot of the other cities um because like i said so it's really focused on um being outdoorsy and being like in touch with nature and camping and all this kind of stuff um a really really big thing out here in Boise is mountain biking and dirt biking
0: really yeah that's like that's something thing. I don't hear about like out typical outdoorsy activities. yeah it's a really
1: big thing here. Um, like a lot of the trails that you go on like for hiking and stuff they're also they're like half you know walking trails and half mountain biking trails um, And there's a company that I worked for that's headquartered in Boise It's called Western Power Sports. And they do all of that stuff, like mountain biking, dirt biking stuff. Um, and they're really, really popular here. Uh, if you go hiking somewhere in Boise, you're probably going to see a mountain biker. Like every time you go, people are, get really into it.
0: Wow. So that's yeah, probably yeah. on top of like snowboarding and skiing. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. We have uh, Bogus Basin is the mountain that a lot of people go on. Um, it's called
0: Bogus Basin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs>
1: So that's what a lot of people do here. It's
0: what do you of- do? Uh,
1: I like to do the hiking thing. Um, that's one of my favorite things. And then do work. I guess go to work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like go to work. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Interesting. So what? What sights, sounds, and smells stand out to you in Boise, Idaho?
1: Ah, geez. You know, we don't really have a lot of, you know, smells. I, I would say like we're, you know, I mean that's a good thing, right? You know got a lot of smells. Um, Usually you want that. Uh, But I would say for sites and stuff, um, we have, so Boise is like a desert actually uh, in Idaho. So we have Boise and it's called the City of Trees. And the reason why it's called the City of Trees is not because we have like a bajillion trees. I mean, we do, but yeah, we don't have a lot of trees Um, but it's called the City of Trees because everything around it is a desert. And so when they first came over and like, you know, founded Boise and all this kind of stuff, it was because there's just this giant desert. And really? then in the middle of all that desert, there's just trees. And they're like, why are there so many trees here? So we're going to call it the city of trees. It's this city of trees and this giant desert. Wow. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm trying to look at... Uh... Yeah, I do, I do see that. So I see... A lot of trees within the city and then it's kind of like yeah it's all just going desert. up into the mountains it looks like more like high plains and just no trees It's yeah. exactly
1: how it is just a lot of desert it's very dry over here okay it's not humid at all so um uh, yeah it's probably just all the trees and then when you look out sort of into outside of the valley uh you just see a lot of nothing a lot of sagebrush a lot of Yellow and
0: orange. Huh. Yeah. So, if someone were to have like a few days in Boise, what would you recommend them doing?
1: Um, I would say if you're going to come to Boise, you probably want to hit like the lakes and the hikes and all the outdoorsy stuff I was talking about. That's really its its big main attraction. Um, we have a lot of really good paddle boarding things out here. Uh, that's okay. That's really, really fun in the summer. girlfriend and I we got paddle boards last summer we went out all over the place and uh you know we have really beautiful lakes really beautiful rivers all that kind of stuff so we just load up our paddle boards into the car and take them out pump them up and head out on the river and it's you know real nice if you're sneaky about it you can have a beer it's not legal but you know about
0: it. nice what kind of cars do people drive out there
1: well you know it used to be a lot of trucks uh, and I think it still kind of is, but you know, now that more people are coming in here, uh, you see a lot of kind of very average cars, right? It's not like you're driving a 90210 where you might see a, a Porsche or a Ferrari or something. Um, but now that people are moving over here, um, especially just in Boise, like the, the metropolitan Boise area, you're seeing a lot of those Porsche SUVs, right? Cause some, Oh, people- really? Yeah, somebody just made like 500 grand off of their house in California and then moved over here, right? So that's usually, you, you see a lot of portions now in Boise because people are coming over here and they just sold off their their house and made a bunch of money, so.
0: Wow, uh, what do you drive?
1: Uh, I have a 2012 Audi A7. I like it.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's probably a nice car.
1: It's okay, right? It's 2012, so it's like, yeah, but it's an Audi, so it's kind of cool. <laughs>
0: charger though
1: right kind
0: of do people okay we're about to get to this question you're a software engineer right i feel like people in tech like nice cars and like gadgets on nice cars
1: oh yeah yeah well it kind of depends right if you're like there's definitely different types of tech people there's like me i'm like kind of an apple guy right? i like the nice stuff i like oh it still works and it's pretty right and then you got your total neck beard dudes like mad respect to them, but you know, they'll drive like some crazy truck that they like, like built themselves, right? And all this kind of stuff, and they get really into it. Um, so yeah, there's definitely like different types of tech people that like different stuff in their lives.
0: So they're uh, so the neckbeard types, what you said is uh, they're probably Android users, they like probably yeah. in their heads building the most efficient. System and them like actually putting it together, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, they probably like be rocking, you know, a, a Pixel or something like that, like a Pixel phone, um, and just like you know have Linux on their laptop and you know install Gen two and all this crazy stuff. So uh, yeah, but I'm more of like I've I've been through that phase honestly. <laughs> the Android, I had Linux on my laptop. It's like this operating system that you have to. Put yourself on. If anybody ever, you know, watches this from the Linux community, I had Arch Linux. Um, so yeah, I've been through all that. And then I kind of just moved on. And I was like, I was actually at work doing something on my Linux laptop It was stuff that i had like built myself. And it was all configured, fancy, and then something broke on it. And I was in the middle of something. And I went over to my boss and was like, Okay, I need a Mac, like, I need to finish this thing today. <laughs> Wow. So that's when I was just like, you know, it's fine. It's whatever. I'll just do the Mac thing and it's great. I like it.
0: So you, you work on a, on a Mac? hmm Yep. Okay. So what, what sparked your interest in software engineering?
1: What was that? You cut out for a second.
0: So what sparked your interest in software engineering?
1: I was like everybody else, you know, I wanted to make a game for my friend, right? I was in middle school and I was like, dude, I want to make a video game, right? And they're like, all my friends are like, yeah, dude, you should make a video game. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, And then, you know, you do some Googling. How do I make a game? How do I do programming? Right. Uh, And from there, you sort of start to learn things. And if you're doing like basic stuff, um, it's pretty simple. Like if you're just doing basic, you know, what is your name, you know, hello name or whatever. So um, that's sort of what got me into it. And then I just kept going and never stopped. Uh, and then, you know, I learned about all of the stuff that you could do with it, right? And how the internet worked, how websites worked, how, you know, operating systems work, uh, and all this kind of stuff. And you just sort of build all of that stuff up. And and how do these, you know, how does Google manage all the traffic that it gets? How does the search engines work? Right. It's it's a lot of that stuff. And there's a lot of really interesting theory behind a lot of it too.
0: Could you break down some of that stuff of what you said of like how (laughs) websites work and, and the internet works for, uh, for listeners, but, uh, definitely myself. Yeah,
1: sure. So like, this is a super common concept that I have to talk people through if they want to know how something on the internet works. Um, and you might know what this is too, but, uh, we have what's called a server. Do you know what that is? Yeah. So, you know, when, when you have your laptop, right. you type in, you know, for the, for purposes of this, you just type in google.com. Uh, there's actually, what happens is your computer will find Google's server and then all of the traffic that goes from your computer, um, Well, hold on, I guess I'm not breaking this down. (laughs) Basically, what happens is your computer says, hey, Google, give me your web page. And then Google will respond with its web page from its server. Right. It's the reason why we call it a server um, is because, you know, let's take the restaurant scenario. Right. You're somebody you go into the restaurant, you have a menu and you say, I want the Google and then the server brings you the Google. Okay. Um and so that's the basics of how the internet works. Um and all that. I mean, we can get real deep into it if you want, <laughs> but
0: I don't know if you want to. Okay, so uh something I'm curious about is maybe you're aware of this. Maybe maybe you've taken a field trip there or something, but like so these tech companies out in the West Coast Do they just like, what is their, they have all these servers, right? Right. What is, what does that look like? And what are, how are they stored? And are they like underground bunkers? Like how, how does that operate? Yeah. It's like, so
1: you have sort of two different, you have a couple of different tiers for, let's say I'm a company A and I want to build this app, right? Uh, Let's say I want to build like a Gmail or whatever. So you have a couple of different options. One of the options, this is how more of the traditional route that people used to take is they would buy a building and they would buy electricity, water, HVAC, stuff like that. And then they would buy servers. They would literally go and purchase servers from somewhere, bring them in, plug them in, you know, configure BGP and everything on them, um, get some IP addresses from Aaron, which is the American registry for internet numbers. They hand out IP addresses. They would buy IP addresses and configure BGP on their servers, which is like a protocol for the internet. And then, uh, you know, those would be the servers for the website that they would want. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's not really how a lot of companies do things these days. Um, what we do like for verified first, we use a cloud provider. And so what happened is like, um, like maybe around in the 2000s ish, uh, Facebook and Amazon and Google all had these giant data centers where they were hosting their apps and they were like, Oh, Hey, we can make money by just renting this space out. And so that's pretty much how a lot of tech companies operate is they don't do the whole, I'm going to go buy a server and hook it up and everything. Right. Cause there's a lot of different problems with that you got to manage a lot and you got to have a team and all that what a lot of people do is they just go to amazon it's called amazon web services Mm -hmm. and they'll just rent out a server and you know you click a button you say how big do i want it to be i want two gigabytes uh, of ram one cpu core and it'll just spin it up and it'll you know give you an ip address you can remote into it and configure it and everything Uh, and then that's it
0: Interesting. So, so if I I have uh, so that's that's how it they like s- store and stuff it, or they what they do with it, right? What was that? That's so that's like what they how they kind of operate now. Uh, a lot of big server data centers, and then they rent it out. Yep, exactly. Okay. So okay. if I have, I probably have like twelve domain names through Bluehost. So I right. buy. S- like server space or hosting through Bluehost. Yep. How does how does that work? So is like Bluehost own part of the server somewhere and then they rent it out to me?
1: Yeah, so I'm not sure exactly about the, the Bluehost one. Um, I don't know if they're... So they could be sort of a man in the middle between you and Amazon, right? Um, or they could have, you know, their own complete... Uh, you know, their, their own servers, their own bare metal servers, like physical servers that you can go touch uh, and all that. Or they could be renting them out from Amazon, making them happy and pretty for people that want to host websites and then reselling them.
0: Okay. So I'm not sure which model they use, um, but yeah, if it's one of the two, right? Do most, uh, as far as like online, does every country have kind of their... They're companies that have all the, the space built for all these servers, these data centers, or is a lot of it in the United States still?
1: No, it's, uh, so it depends on what provider you're using. So okay. for example, I know about AWS, Amazon Web Services the most. Um, they have, I can't remember how many regions they have, but they have them all across the country, right? Like uh, I had to spin up, we have a team in the Philippines actually, and I had to spin up a VPN for them. And so I just selected their closest region was, I think, Japan or something. And so it was like stupid easy, went into Amazon, configured the server and everything in Tokyo, and then said, hey, here you go, Philippines, here's your credentials. And, uh, you know, they they were able to connect to a server that was all the way in Tokyo. Okay. So that's, <laughs> they have a lot of data centers all all around the world. Um, and I'm sure Google does. And I'm sure Microsoft or Azure does
0: and all this kind of stuff. They get real into it. So what does what does like a, a software engineer, what does that role or responsibility look like? Can you describe that?
1: Yeah, sure. Um well, so it kind of differs from company to company, really. Um at my current role here, I wear a lot of the hats um, okay. and other in other companies, like let's say you, you work for like a Google or a Workday or something, right? Usually you're sort of pigeonholed into you're going to write code and then your code gets passed off to another team and then, you know, to another team and eventually it ends up somewhere. Um, so for my role, right, a lot of it is um, writing the code and then figuring out how to deploy the code. So I'm also doing DevOps stuff uh, and then you know managing the code and, and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of infrastructure stuff that I do along with the code that I write as well. Okay. Because you can't just write code and then have it work, right? I mean, you, you if you're building something for somebody or you want to run something you need the infrastructure stuff which is the storage and and the servers and all that kind of stuff that we just covered
0: wow very cool what would you say so in this like information age that we're living in what what do you see it like evolving into the role of the software engineer over the next like 20 years
1: i think it's going to be a lot of um it's going to get a lot easier uh, and it's going to, a lot more people are going to do it. Um, okay. Yeah. You can see this sort of already happening where it used to be 20 years ago, right? You'd have to hire some guy to write COBOL and he, you know, have to do all this math or maybe he'd have to write some assembly or whatever, a very low level machine code. Um, but what's happened now in, you know, as opposed to 20 years ago in the 2000s, we've put a lot of layers of abstraction on top of all that. So if I'm writing in a particular language, let's say JavaScript, um, that's more one of the, the higher level languages. I don't have to worry about memory allocation and pointers and all of this, you know, computer theory stuff. I just write my code and I tell it what I want to do. So there's a lot of, a lot of, layers it's like an onion right Um, that go on top of that and as we keep moving forward those layers are just going to get bigger and bigger and it's going to be super easy to write an enterprise app and deploy it um that it's it's going to be so simple and it adds to the you know the dot-com bubble you could say and it's just going to keep getting bigger it's going to keep getting easier um, so more people are probably going to be interested in it
0: Wow. Yeah. Something I'm, I'm just like so fascinated with is so like nine years ago, uh, some friends and I started this organization. And so a big part of like starting this was having a website. Right. So I knew nothing about websites, but my friend did a little bit. And so that's how I started to get into like hosting and domains and servers and like what we wanted to create. Like didn't exist so then we, we try to have a friend do it. They, they create websites and like as a favor. And this thing took like months, months and months and months. And now I can create that same website in like an hour. Yeah. Like exactly. the things, the things I could not do. Cause the, and then like at that time I was like teaching myself CSS a little bit. I teaching myself code to do certain things. And now like I can literally create a website in an hour and uh, just like the technology within those nine years and what's available. uh, It's so interesting to me what's going to happen the next nine years and how easy it's going to be for just like average people to just, hey, I want to create something for this online world. Yeah. How how do I do it? Well, you just Google it and then it'll give you like, there'll be a YouTube video and someone will give you step-by-step instructions. And uh, like you said, there's like already so much created. you just like the layers just keep adding up, right? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it'll be, it'll definitely be um, a lot easier for people. And I think also it's going to be a lot of, I think in the next 20 to 30 to maybe 50 years, we're going to see the world start changing a lot more, even after that, because not only is it making the software is going to get easier, but knowing when to use the software is also going to become more common knowledge. Uh, What do you mean by that? So like in business, uh, there is a lot of stuff that can be automated, like with code, stuff like that, like at the place I'm working right now, we have some stuff that we've automated away with, with code once somebody was like hey i bet we could code something to do that uh and you know we did it and it was great and it was awesome and we saved some money and you know but before i came in here and didn't point that out people would just you know they'd throw bodies at they'd hire a guy and they'd have them do this thing right and so i think once a lot of the you know sort of older generation or people that aren't accustomed to how you should or what you can do with technology sort of start moving along we're going to start see it popping up more and more because i've grown up with it right uh it's you know programming is taught in schools just pretty elementary programming um they have code camps and everything so it's it's going to be a lot more accessible and because of that people are going to start using it more uh in places where they would throw bodies at it or they would you know do something or make a backroom deal to do whatever here and stuff like that. Um so if if that makes sense, I hope it does.
0: Yeah. Do you think um we talk a lot about like businesses. Do you think governments will like automate more? Like if if they can if like why why would, do we need to employ people in the government? We can just automate a lot of this stuff and we don't have as much like red tape to get through, I suppose.
1: Yeah, it could be a lot of that. Um, you know, I think it, it sort of depends on what the position is, right? Like, you can't automate away a CEO uh, or, you know, Secretary of Defense or Secretary of State, right? Right. You can't just do that. But there are probably a lot of, you know, bean counters and, you know, maybe DMV workers or something like that that we could eventually move to automated systems. And while that is kind of scary and dystopian and Black Mirror, you know, the robots are going to take your jobs um that's really just where it's going to end up because you know now that programming is a lot more accessible to a lot more people people are going to be like they're going to make the connection in their brain they can be like oh wait we can just automate that with this thing over here and you know we'll make that happen
0: yeah so it's easier more efficient cost effective yeah, exactly. um have you ever read the book homo deus by Yuval harari Uh, that that's like really interesting. He, so he wrote Sapiens. Uh, I think I, uh, maybe I don't have it up here, Um, which is like a brief history of humankind. So he looks at from like hunter gatherers to where we are today. Mm -hmm. And then he wrote Homo Deus, which is like a brief summary of the future of humankind. And he talks a lot about like data and the the skills of the 21st century that will be most valuable are uh, communication and cognitive skills. So the ability to process information and think about it critically and then be able to communicate that to other people to like get things done. And um, he talks a lot about like how data is like so valuable and how like collective data will be used to create like a more efficient world in a way. I mean, what, what do you think about that stuff? What was that? You sorry, you cut out. What what do you think about like using collective data to create like a more efficient world that we interact with?
1: Yeah, so there's a there's sort of two different paths that you can take with sort of the big data okay. idea. You can take the we're going to put it into our AI thing, right? And then Spotify will recommend you better songs that you want to listen to. Right? Which uh,
0: which like as an individual like it's, it's almost like this. Um, what, what will know you better, like yourself or like?
1: Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: the data collected on you.
1: Yeah, it can get scary. I'm not really. I don't really know a whole lot about the artificial intelligence field. Um, okay. But it's it's definitely you can see it happening, and you see it all the time happening, right? Like my like Apple Music i have apple music and they just launched something similar to their we're going to recommend you a song thing uh-huh. and over the past couple of months it's gotten better right and i'm like oh, oh. okay yeah learning <laughs> wow and so um yeah that, it'll definitely do that uh, uh artificial intelligence will it's definitely one of the waves of the future that it's going to be one of the next you know things uh-huh. that we we utilize often um but there is like the dark side to all of that as well.
0: So that's that's the first path is like using AI to make better decisions, right?
1: Yeah. Well, using, so, data,
0: using all of that
1: data to sort of program those AIs to do the, the data stuff. Okay. And a lot of people like, you know, Elon Musk and everything, they sort of talk about AI taking over the world and stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's all, you know, fine and good, right? The robots are going to kill us, you know, whatever, sure. Um, But if we take a step back from that and we look at the actual data that we're using to program these AIs and stuff, um, that's also pretty concerning too about how much data we give out, um, not just to companies, right? Like, you know, Facebook has my, my birthday, I don't care, but what it does this is one of sort of a, an interesting field to get into that not a lot of people talk about is what's called open source intelligence. Okay. I'm sure. If you're familiar with that.
0: Yeah. Tell me. I'm very curious about this.
1: <laughs> so it's one of the it's it's like a it's a field where basically the idea is how much can you find out about a person, like sort of almost stalkery-ish uh, or a business legally from third party sources. So it's almost like uh, you can find a bunch of data about a person or a business, but you just have to look in the right places.
0: Yeah.
1: And you can sort of aggregate all this information and build profiles and build identities about people. Um, so a pretty easy example to, to walk through is, a, we, I just did a, a Q3 security training for the company. And one of the ways that I showed that is, well, okay, so if I'm a bad guy and I wanna know where Rich lives, right? um, What do I gotta do? Okay, I gotta figure out which state he lives in. Uh, You know, I don't know, I could probably Google it and figure it out. Um, And then, okay, how do I find out where he lives? Well, actually, let's say you live in Idaho for just examples purposes, right? Um, Let's say I found out that you live in Idaho and I know that I can just go look up your Idaho voter records, right? And so, if I go to the Idaho Voter Records page, um, it needs a first name, a last name, and a birthday. And where can I find your birthday? Oh, I can find it on your LinkedIn. I can find it on your Facebook, right? Where wherever else you have your birthday. And then once I put all that in, I can come up with your residential address, your registered party, all that kind of stuff, right? And then what can I do with that, right? Maybe I can call your power company and say I want to cut off my service, right? Or I call your ISP. And you, I need a password change. Oh, what's your residential address, right? This 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 and this.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, it's sort of chaining all of these pieces of information together where you can find out a lot about a person. If that makes sense.
0: Just for- Oh, I, it certainly does. What was that? It certainly does. Yeah. yeah. So, that's sort of a, a field that I don't think a lot of people
1: think about. They think about oh, the AIs are going to come kill us and there's going to be robots. Yeah, like, sure, right. Um, But more importantly, what can I, as an individual, find out about you that maybe you wouldn't want me to know about, right?
0: What do you think about VPNs?
1: Uh, I think they're useful. They're not as cracked up as, you know, people say they are, right? I see them all the time on YouTube, like, you know, ExpressVPN, whatever, the government's watching you. Yeah. (laughs) The only reason to really have a personal VPN is for when you're out and about at like an airport; it'll keep you protected there. But from you know, it's not; it can't protect you from big data. That's not what it does. It's not how it works.
0: Okay, so big data. What What do you do to protect your privacy?
1: Uh, I do the VPN thing. Um, for privacy and stuff like I have a Facebook, I have an Instagram, I have a website, I have a Twitter. Um all that kind of stuff is I don't really mind if Twitter knows what kind of memes I post, right or right. whatever. Um but it's just sort of stuff like not having my birthday, not having where I live, um you know, keeping an eye on on those data breaches that you hear about all the time in the news. Those are a real big source of how people get hacked if that makes okay. sense um because when you hear about you we hear about those data breaches all the time like i remember there was the ashley madison one right
0: oh yeah i remember when that happened yeah
1: <laughs> yeah and so you know you see about it in the news and they say oh the the hackers got the password and everything and then we're kind of like oh yeah okay whatever um, but what you can actually do is you can go to services like uh, one service I like is Intelligence X, and they aggregate all of those data sources um, and everything. And they're they're locked behind a pretty high paywall. It's like for me, it was like two grand a year or something like that. Um, oh wow! Yeah, but once you're past that paywall, all of those data sources, all of those passwords, they're all aggregated and right there for you to look at. Um, so, like, I could search a domain name and find. Uh, employee email addresses and passwords that have been found in a data breach. Um, you know, I can look up just specific email addresses and find their passwords there um, and just stuff like that. So,
0: wait, so you can pay this certain amount and then you can basically, if you have an email address for somebody, you can find out their password?
1: Yeah, if it's been in a data breach, um, which uh, okay. a lot of them have. <laughs>
0: What would you What would you suggest someone to do to like protect their passwords or like? I would probably so it doesn't happen to them.
1: Well, you can't really prevent a lot of that stuff um, from happening, but you can protect yourself from the fallout of it. Um, I would just say the smartest option is to use a password manager like One Password. Don't use LastPass because LastPass sucks. Um, Okay, so it's definitely the one you'd want to use. Um, And so what that lets you do is have unique passwords for every site without having to like, write them all down in a notebook. You just, it's a browser extension, super easy. Um, But like, let's say, you know, Rich, your password was on some data breach somewhere. uh, And, you know, maybe it's your like Adobe password, right? You're like, okay, who cares? It's my like Photoshop license. Um, But if you also reuse that password for your bank or your PayPal, whatever, uh, then, you know, it's pretty easy to put together.
0: So you should, like, every time you, like, sign up for something, have a different password?
1: Yeah, that would be, like, the ideal thing to do, right? Obviously, it's, like, not that simple. Um, But a password manager helps with that because you don't have to, you know, write down a new password every time you sign up for something.
0: Yeah. And then click forgot password and then like yeah. go through that whole process. Exactly. Right. How many times have y'all done that? Oh, uh, story of my life. Um, let's see. What's, what's something you've noticed? What like trends in society or business have you noticed just working in the industry?
1: Um, well in this industry in like sort of software development, um, I don't know about any real trends um it's you can, so this industry you can get real niche with software engineering it's not just software engineering as a as a whole um but it sort of depends on what language you're using there are a lot of there are trends for all the different languages and stuff that you might be familiar with um one of the big trends that i can see though with business and that you can see everybody can see Uh, is they're moving on to the cloud platform thing that we talked about, right? Uh Um, Moving from traditional on-premises infrastructure to the cloud um, infrastructure, and just moving all their stuff to AWS or Google Cloud or whatever, um, which makes sense. So
0: So that's like, instead of having an individual server, you just like rent it out from somebody and that's the cloud server, right? Yep, exactly. Okay. Um, what, how do you organize your digital files?
1: <laughs> I have a, uh, well, I have like my documents and then inside that I have like my code and like my programming tools. And then uh, let's see what else. I have some word lists in there. Let me go real quick.
0: Uh, like when you back up your stuff, like what do you... Do you have an external? Do then you use the cloud? Like, how many different places do you use to back up your stuff?
1: Uh, I just back all my stuff up to what's called uh, Amazon S3. That's That's like, yeah, it's like their giant uh, storage provider stuff. They pretty much just provide um, what's called object storage, but it's it's, think of it just like files, right? Okay. Um, But the reason why is because. Like, if you go to, like, one of those other backup providers, maybe they'll charge you, you know, 50 bucks a month for 50 gigs or whatever, right? Um, but S3, AWS S3, if you know how to use it, it's incredibly cheap. Let me look up the pricing real quick. Yeah. So for storage, um, for just sort of the standard uh pricing here so first terabyte first 50 terabytes per month is 0.023 cents per gigabyte so let's see here like it's super cheap so they
0: charge you by actual storage rather than
1: yeah like
0: levels okay
1: so let's see here if i have let's say a terabyte of storage and just this thing yeah it cost me like 23 bucks a month to host it on s3 the first 50 terabytes you know so it's uh it's pretty cheap stuff that's where i back my stuff up too
0: we uh so this last weekend we shot a short film in wisconsin and mm-hmm. we were using these like heavy duty i don't know this camera called alexa so it's like um like really high level grade and it goes through space they told me like the entire project took up like two terabytes from yeah. like two days yeah do you see that like in the future like everything's just going to be bigger and bigger kind of file sizes
1: yeah i mean for for video and stuff absolutely right because you know first it was okay we got the 720p camera and then the 1080p and then the 4k and now we have like the 8k red cameras that just ingest files <laughs> so fast right and like they take giant pictures and everything and yeah, I mean it's just sort of the human nature, right? We're gonna want those crispy photos, and those crispy photos require space. So,
0: so what? What like um, what like pieces of technology are you interested in most, and like you enjoy using?
1: Uh, so I'm like an Apple guy. So like I, I rock the whole Apple thing right because you know i don't know if you know about the ecosystem idea but um yeah i rock the ipad i rock the iphone i rock the mac um they just had an apple event yesterday actually where they unveiled a bunch of really cool tech um for the macbooks where they're adding these new special magic chips in them they're making the displays really really good Um, the next macbooks will have a notch on them though so Get excited about that
0: or not. <laughs> what does is, what is the notch do?
1: Uh it's just for the camera and stuff, just like the
0: iPhone. Okay. Is there uh is there a MacBook camera gonna be better?
1: Yeah, I think they yeah, they're gonna upgrade that camera too. Do you have a, do you use an Apple Watch? Actually, no, I don't do the the Apple Watch thing. I have a a Seiko 5 series uh right now. Okay. It's a, yeah, I don't like the, to do the Apple Watch thing because I go camping a lot and stuff. Okay. And, uh, you know, if, or if I'm like out on a boat or paddleboarding or something, right? Um, Isn't all like, their
0: stuff waterproof now or something?
1: Yeah, it is. But if, you, if you're out in the wilderness for like, you know, more than two days, then you're kind of...
0: There's no, there's no uh, yeah. power outlets yeah. there.
1: <laughs> so this is like a mechanical watch that so winds as I move my wrist. And all that it's an automatic so yeah i like to do the the mechanical watch thing just because it's like you know just easier and
0: cool yeah uh switching switching gears a little bit here what are three musical artists in your heavy rotation right now
1: kanye dude obviously what else could i listen to um i got some on here let me take a look through it real quick what is it, my heavier? So
0: Donda, are you listening a lot to Donda? No, dude, old Kanye. Not new okay. Kanye. What do you new consider Kanye. old Kanye?
1: Yeah, old Kanye, like uh, Graduation, you know?
0: Graduation.
1: Yeah. Um. Let's see, I got a lot of Mac Miller, uh, g Easy, his new album. It kind of sucked, though. Um, got some Kevin Gates. Luke Combs. Uh logic old logic not new logic you know um but yeah i don't know i have i listen to all of it the only thing i'm not super into yet is like metal but um i do the yeah. country and hip-hop and pop and all that kind of stuff so
0: what do people in boise listen to generally of, actually country yeah,
1: yeah, we're yeah i see into- that um, so they like pretty much all of the the radio stations are country which if you're into it is cool but if you're not into it it kind of sucks
0: <laughs> do people wear a lot of flannel out there
1: uh surprisingly no actually uh it's a lot of well I guess no not really flannel it's kind of like a hipster thing now now it's a lot of like I don't know just a t-shirt and jeans and boots
0: okay got it um what are three people or things that have influenced your outlook on life?
1: Um, I would say, so I have a, I have a couple of mentors um, that I've learned a lot from, right? Um, one of my big mentors really was my, where I worked previously at Western power sports, my boss there, he was like a really awesome dude in a lot of different ways. So um, he sort of changed my outlook on a lot of things. So he was really nice, like he was like the nicest guy in the entire world. Like, never like really got upset or anything, right? He was he was like super laid back, super cool, um, and I just really enjoyed being around him so much. And I was like, man, I should try to be I should try to be as nice as I can, right? Yeah, Obviously, we all try to be like nice, but now I try to be like extra nice, like he was. Right. That's good.
0: That's good.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, so he was really cool. He really taught me, uh, you know, what it is to, to really have that impact on somebody and truly treat them really, really well. Um, just, you know, and then he also was a huge mentor for me in terms of my career as well, because I'm all also- self I didn't, like, go to school for any of the stuff that I did. Okay. And so when I was starting out in my career, like, two years ago, um, I came in. I knew how to code, right? I could do all of the fancy things. Um, But there's a big difference between knowing how to code and knowing how to code correctly, right? Okay. How you actually build and maintain an enterprise app. Um, And so that's what really set him apart from me is he knew all of the the stuff you should do. And this is how you should structure your code. This is how you should structure your architecture, um, all that kind of stuff. And he taught me a lot of really good design practices for how I'm designing an application. Okay. And so um, I still carry that on right today. Um, And that's one of the really, really important things that previously I had no idea, right? I just pop in and kind of start making stuff Yeah. Uh, And, you know, going willy nilly and and everything. And now I want to think about how I'm designing all of my code and everything, especially when I'm building an application for the enterprise. Nice. So he was one of my, my really good mentors. Um, And then I got a lot of good mentors here where I'm, where I'm at currently as well. Excuse me. Um, so my immediate boss, uh, Ron, uh, he's, he's really cool. He's very, you know, he, he's like, he's like a dad, you know? <laughs> okay. So he's like, he's kind of he's like, you know, I don't really know how to describe him, but he's very straight to the point. Um, but like in a good way, right. Not where like in a mean way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's sort of, Sort of that, you know, when you're working in business or when you're really, you know, managing a big project, you kind of have to be straight to the point, right? You don't want to like pussyfoot and sugarcoat around these, right? For example, right, we had, you know, an outage a couple months ago where we did a change, we messed things up. And so we got on a call, right? And usually it'd kind of be like, you know, this is how I was maybe before I started working here and and learning these things. Um, But, you know, we had an outage and maybe I'd be like, oh, geez, like, oh, no, what's going on, right? And being like, ah, I'm scared. Versus just like, you know, um, being like, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it, right? And during the outage, I actually completely on accident nuked our web our web server Um, no yeah it was like so in the middle of an outage now we have another outage um and so you know um i was just like we were on a call and i was like hey ron i just looped the server we're gonna need a new one he's like okay and i'm like okay and then i went and built a new server whereas maybe before i would have been like um, uh, guys, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I'm like, <laughs> right. Or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and he just told stories about engineers who completely knew something and stood up, started crying and walked out. Right. At wow. least, yeah. Um, so it's really about, you know, you gotta just like, this is business. This isn't like, yeah. you know, messing around or whatever, like, If you've lost, like, it's cool just own up to it, right? It's fine. Just be a part of the solution kind of deal, right?
0: Yeah, be a part of the solution. I like that. Uh, What's something you're curious about recently?
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really curious about a lot of things. I guess it's more, um, I would say the thing that I've been most curious about recently is how, businesses actually work. Um, okay. And I kind of got into that because I'm starting my own uh, business uh, with verified first, me and me and the a couple dudes here are trying to start another business. And it's really interesting to see how like verified first, since like I can, I can go talk to the CEO, like at verified first right now. Um, I can, I can talk to the president, like we know each other. Right. It's cool. Versus that's not how it was when I was working at Western power sports. Um, okay. like I couldn't go like talk to the CEO. I couldn't talk to the big people in the company. That's kind of how it is at a big company. You, like I said, you get pigeonholed and yeah you don't really talk to anybody. Um, versus at a smaller company like this, right. I can go talk to the man, uh, mm-hmm. and like with him, um, and sort of pick his brain. So I've been trying to use that opportunity to, to learn more about how this stuff is actually made. Like, like how do we get clients? How do we keep clients, right? Like what is the process for that? Like what does sales and marketing actually do, right? Sometimes I sit in on, on some of the sales and marketing calls, not cause I'm, you know, supposed to like, cause I can help or whatever, but just yeah. like, what do you guys like really do? And like, okay, how does that all work in the giant you know, system that is the company.
0: Yeah, that's a good thing to be curious about. Yeah. Yeah, sure. your head's in the right place. <laughs> um, so then what's something that excites you for the next two years? Uh,
1: I would say just sort of seeing where my career takes me. That's really what I'm focused on right now in my life um, is just my career. Um, I'm excited to see where this, this company that I'm building grows. Um, mm-hmm. See if it works. Hopefully, right? Let's well, not get our hopes up, but uh, we'll see how it works and see if I can make some good decisions and, and do that. Um, and yeah, that's really what I'm excited about.
0: That's great. Well, yeah. thanks for uh, taking the time to, to chat with me today.
1: Yeah, no problem, man. It was like super awesome. Yeah, yeah
0: I, I learned a lot. I, uh, I appreciate you sharing all that with me, especially the technology and uh, learning about Boise more get an insider's perspective on this stuff. Yeah, no, that's
1: awesome, man. I appreciate you having me on.
0: All right. Well, thank you again.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Rich Conversations. Again, you can follow him on Instagram at Aiden Murray. Have an adventurous day.